Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You know, sometimes we mistakenly think that, well, you know, once you become a Christian, everything is just great. Everything is rosy. Life is fantastic. You never have any problems again. That is just simply not reality. That is not true for Christians at all. You know, when you become a Christian, in so many ways, your life improves drastically. But, you know, in other ways, you kind of inherit a whole other set of problems that you didn't have before. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Isaiah chapters 50 through 51. Now here's Pastor Brian. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. And so the Lord here is, it's, it's an insight into how he strengthened himself during those moments of unimaginable suffering on our behalf. He strengthened himself by reminding himself, the Lord God will help me. I will not be disgraced. And the one who justifies me is near. Who will contend with me? And Jesus, this is how he really sustained himself through that time of suffering. And when he says here, I have set my face like a flint. It's interesting because in in the Gospels, and I think it might be exclusively in Luke, Luke tells us that when he came to Samaria, the Samaritans did not receive him And this is the reason why, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So it was that determination. And, you know, flint is is that extremely hard, hard stone. And so when he says right here that I have set my face like flint, he's talking about that absolute determination to do the will of God, to obey God's call upon him to give his life. But like I said, he's encouraging himself, just reminding himself of the promises of God and that ultimately that all of those who oppose him, all of his adversaries, they will all grow old like a garment and a moth will eat them up. Do you know Jesus had adversaries in his day? They're the ones who put him on the cross. They're the ones who dogged his trail, so to speak, all the way through his public ministry, threatened him and so forth. But Jesus has many enemies today as well. You don't have to look far to find people who are the enemies of Christ. And and today, you would think so many centuries afterward, you know, Jesus hasn't been here in, in the literal physical sense for 2,000 years, but he's here through his people. And he's here by his spirit. And there's still that antagonistic, hostile spirit within the breast of of many people toward Christ. And it's sort of a, it's a strange thing. It, it, in a sense, it shows us the the influence of the devil uh, over people. And the apostle Paul actually reminds us that that is the case, that the God of this age, he says, who is a reference to Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So he comes and he, he influences people 
in a negative fashion toward Christ. You know, people have this great animosity toward Jesus, and yet they don't even really know why. And, and if you were to be able to just have a conversation and you kind of just dig down and ask them, you know, why, why do you feel this way about Jesus? Uh, why don't you feel this way about maybe another religious leader? Or, uh, you know, how come there's this, just this strange uh, hostility that comes out from people toward Christ? Well, that is that, that's that, that work of Satan. It's that spirit of Antichrist. And like I'm saying, that's, it's alive and well in the world today. And you can find it everywhere. I mean, you can find it with a you know, homeless guy on the street um, who's burned out on, on drugs and alcohol. Uh, you can find it in people sitting in the highest positions of power in the world. They've got basically the identical attitude toward Christ. They have an animosity toward him and uh, a hatred for him and a desire to rid the world of his name. And yet that will never happen. They, those who oppose him, they will all grow old like a garment and they will be eaten just like a moth eats a garment. Um, We're not as familiar with that today in our world as they were in biblical times, but it's a picture of, you know, something that is just being consumed. That is the destiny of those who resist and oppose Jesus, the Lord's servant who set his face like flint to accomplish the purpose of God to save the world, to accomplish the purpose of God to redeem mankind back to God. Now, I want to back up to verse verse 4 again. And notice what the Lord is saying here. The Lord Jesus Yahweh here is speaking. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. It's a beautiful picture here of how Jesus himself, and yet this is also true for the servants of the Lord because he puts his words in our mouths and enables us to do the same thing. But, you know, Jesus came and he spoke a word in season to those who are weary. And the idea of a word in season is he spoke the right word. He spoke the right word at the right moment that would bring that help and that hope and that refreshing and, and, you know, whatever was needed at the time. But he says that the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. And, you know, there again, this is true, not just for Jesus, but this is true for the Lord's people. And the Lord wants to give us the tongue of the learned. He wants to teach us about himself. And thank God he gave us the scriptures so we can learn about him. But then he also gives us the ability by his spirit to speak a word to those who are weary. And I can't tell you how many times, and you you probably have had the experience yourself, where there's just been a word spoken It was like the proverb said, um, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Now, apples of gold and pictures and silver, that's obviously, you know, like, yes, that is is right. And, And that's the idea there, that this, a word fitly spoken, a word that comes to us from the Lord, oh, it's so refreshing. It's so life giving. It's so strengthening. And and I, I just want to encourage you, you know, maybe maybe you are just burdened down by 
a lot of different things. And maybe you are feeling weary. And, and this is where the Lord would just want to speak a word to you. And, you know, tomorrow morning when you get up and you open your Bible, be looking for that word. Be looking for the Lord to speak to you. And, and I've been having these days, you know, just where just a, a word or two, just here or there, a sentence, a passage, something, the Lord will just speak it to me. And it, it alleviates that heaviness that I, I sometimes feel. It's that, it's that word in season that God brings. And that's what Jesus did. And remember the passage that comes to mind most clearly as I think about this is just that great word in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And, you know, there it's, it's just one of the greatest texts. It's one of the most encouraging and comforting words. It's something that I remember as a brand new Christian reading those words and being so comforted by them. But what does it say? It says, the, Jesus is speaking. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and weighed down, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And wow, think about that. He says, you know, come to me and learn from me and I will give you rest. And, and that's really what is being spoken of here. The, the father gave him that tongue of the learned that he might speak that word in season. And the Holy Spirit gives that to us today as well. Thank God for that. Thank God for those words that come. They come, like I said, sometimes we're just reading our Bible devotionally. Sometimes you're listening to a teaching through whatever means, maybe even right now, maybe maybe something that has been said or is going to be said is going to be that thing that God uses to speak right to you and to strengthen you and, and to refresh you. And so receive that, but then also look to be that, that, um, that mouthpiece that God could speak to others through you and strengthen them. And so this is, this is how God does it. He speaks to us through his word. And I can't say enough about the importance of the Bible today. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I've, I've been reading the Bible for a long time. I've been studying the Bible for a long time. I've been teaching the Bible for a long time. And yet I still, every time I come to it, I just marvel like, God, this is your word, Lord. And, and you, the living God, the true God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who everything began with you, everything's going to conclude with you. You have a kingdom that you're going to establish. You've saved me and made me part of that. And this is your word. This is the way that you choose to speak to people, not, not exclusively, but primarily through the word. I mean, you know, sometimes God speaks to our heart. He gives us an impression on our mind, but, but quite often that is just the, um, bringing to remembrance something that has been written in the scriptures. And so Jesus, again, you know, prophetically here, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So God will 
open up our understanding. And, you know, sometimes we have seasons where, you know, we're reading our Bibles and we're feeling like, man, I'm just not getting anything. You know, we might call it like a dry season or something like that. And, you know, that's normal. I think all Christians go through times like that. But don't be discouraged by that. Just know that even as you persevere through that and as you just continue to read, know that stuff is getting placed in your heart and mind by the Spirit that you can't feel at that moment. But, you know, there's a later point where you're going to realize that, wow, God put that there. And there it was. And it came out under these circumstances. I mean, it's great when we have those experiences where we really sense that God is speaking to us. That's wonderful. But even if we don't sense that, just take his word to heart and just know that he's doing something in you through it. And even though you might not feel it this moment or in that devotional time that you set aside, know that there's a work that God's doing deep in your heart and in your mind that will show itself at some point in time. And so just as the Lord refers to, he awakens my ear, the idea awakens my ear, you know, gives me the ability to, to hear. And so it's, it's always a good thing. Lord, give me an ear to hear what you would say. You know, Jesus said at, the, at uh, in those letters to the seven churches in Revelation, after he would make his various statements and promises and so forth, he would end it with the one who has an ear to hear, let them hear. And so we're, we're just agreeing with that. Lord, give me that ear to hear. Speak to me. So now let's jump into verse 10. And so here in verse 10, we come back to the Lord speaking, not about his own experience, but, but speaking through Isaiah to all of his people. Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, yet walks in darkness and has no light. So here's the picture. Here's a person who fears the Lord and they they obey uh, the voice of his servant. So we're talking about a a person who's really a believer, a a real follower of Jesus, a person who's committed to Christ and living for him, but they walk in darkness and have no light. Now, the darkness here is not moral darkness. It's not the darkness of sin. It's the darkness of things being obscured. It's the darkness of, you know, just not being able to, to, to see how God is working in this situation. It's the darkness maybe of, of some kind of confusion or some sort of depression that comes upon us. And notice what he's saying. He's actually saying that there are those who fear the Lord and obey his voice, but who do walk in darkness and have no light. Listen, we, like I was saying a moment ago, we go through seasons. All of us would love to have, I know I would love to have just 24-7 sense of God's presence with me. I'd like to just have my ears so finely tuned to the Lord that, you know, I just heard him from the time I got up in the morning until I went to bed at night and all night long in my dreams. But you know, the truth of the matter is it doesn't always go that way. And like I said, we go through the dry seasons or whatever, but then, you know, we do sometimes go through times where things are dark. 
we go through times of confusion. We go through times of not understanding why things are the way they are. Why have things happened like this? And we're in this place where we just have no light. We feel like we're just, you know, by ourselves, just shuffling along in in a dark place. And we're not even sure what's in front of us. We don't know what's behind us. We don't, we don't know where we're going. And that is a real experience that Christians have. Christians have those kinds of experiences. You know, sometimes we mistakenly think that, well, you know, once you become a Christian, everything is just great. Everything is rosy. Life is fantastic. You never have any problems again. That is just simply not reality. That is not true for Christians at all. Um, You know, when you become a Christian, in so many ways, your life improves drastically. And of course, the greatest is that you're given eternal life and your sins are forgiven and you will never perish. But you know, in in other ways, you kind of inherit a whole nother set of problems that you didn't have before. You have an enemy now that it's really on the prowl to try to bring you down. And you have circumstances in your life that are going to be there to try you. And you're going to have people that aren't going to understand you and they're going to oppose you and resist you. So these things come along. And sometimes, you know, especially if you go into it with the wrong idea that somehow now that I've become a Christian, everything's just going to be so wonderful and easy and smooth. But, you know, pretty soon you find yourself in the darkness. That is part of the experience of following Jesus in a world that is in rebellion to God and a world that's under the dominion of darkness. That's part of the experience. So here's the question. What do we do? What do we do when, I, when we find ourselves in that place of, of walking in darkness, no light? Well, here's what we do. Let him, let her, let them Trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his or her God. And here's the, the picture here in the, the wording. You could, you could actually word this. Let them trust in the Lord and let them lean into. You know that idea of just leaning into somebody. You know, somebody might say, you know, maybe maybe a parent to a child or 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 a friend or or somebody that, you know, here you are in confusion, darkness, weakness, and they're they're not there, they're they're strong. And they just say, you know what, just lean into me. Don't worry. Just lean into me. Come on, I, I will help you. I will pull you through this. That's the picture right here. So what do we do when we we feel like, you know, I know I'm a believer, I I know I love the Lord, but why am I in this darkness? Just keep trusting. That's the point. Just keep trusting and press further into the Lord. The temptation comes during those times to pull back. Sometimes you think, well, what's the use? I, I you know, God, God's abandoned me or something like that. Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. So we have to stand on that. And by faith, we lean into the Lord. This passage is really meaningful to me because I've lived it many times over. And, and I remember, I can almost remember the first time I ever really understood what it was saying because it, it does seem a little confusing. I mean, like, what, who, who's the servant who walks in darkness? What, what does that even mean? But then the more I meditated on it, thought about it, and came to understand it, it was like, wow, yeah, this is, this is talking about those seasons, of, of um, 
despair and, and depression and, and those real kinds of things. But then that word, let them trust in the Lord. Just keep trusting the Lord. And, you know, you don't have to figure it out. And, and you don't have to keep yourself uh, through these seasons. You can just say, Lord, I am trusting you. I am just, Lord, uh, I, I remember one time in my life where it was a season like this. And I just thought, Lord, only you can keep me afloat. I, I'm just going to fall back. I even had this picture in my mind. I'm going to fall back and I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me. And you know what he did? And he caught me the next time and he caught me the next time. And he continues to do that because he's faithful. And so then as we read on, look, all of you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks you have kindled. So what he's doing now is he's contrasting the person who's going to lean into the Lord versus the person who's going to try to do it on their own, or they've got their own way of working it out. And in a sense, it's a picture of leaning on an idol versus leaning on the living God. So, you know, you've got your own light. So, and, and, you know, this is many, many people. Well, I don't need God. Why would I need God? I can figure this out myself. I can do this myself. You know, people who need God are weak. I don't, that's a crutch. I don't need a crutch. I've got my own fire that I can warm myself by. I've got my own light that I've kindled that it's going to show me the way. I've got my own philosophy. I've got my own way of doing things. I I can do it myself. I hear little kids say that a lot of times, but you know, it's sad when grownups say that to God. Um, Or in the, in, of course, the, the words of, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. But what does the Lord say about the person who adopts that mentality? He says, walk in the light of the fire that, and the sparks that you have kindled. You can go ahead and do that. But this you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. You see, in the end, those things can never deliver. And that, that's just a fact. That's a reality and some people, I think a lot of people experience the, the fact that these things don't deliver. Some people wake up and realize I'm trusting in the wrong thing because I, I've, I've been trusting in this and it is not delivering. It's not uh, solving the problem. It's not answering uh, the deeper questions. It's not filling the void that's there. Not everybody does that. A lot of people just say, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stoke the fire up a little bit more or I'm going to drill down and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to myself, I'm, I'm determined, you know, I'm the master of my fate and I'm going to myself, I'm going to do it. And, um, but, but for those who come to the end of themselves and realize that they can't do it, this is where the help of God comes in. And so the fact is those who trust themselves in their own wisdom and ability and whatever strength or wealth or position, in the end, they will lie down in torment. For the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 15 New Testament Words of Life, 
A New Testament Theology for Real Life by Dr. Nijay Gupta. Words can change their meaning over time, or they can carry a different meaning depending on the context in which they are used. So what is the meaning today of words in the Bible like faith, grace, hope, or peace? Do these words still have the same meaning today? Do you really understand what they mean in the Bible? These words not only have a rich history of meaning that is found within the whole Bible, but they also have a powerful significance for our lives today. You'll learn what it means to know God, to be changed by His favor, and how to lean into a redeemed future with an expectation of wholeness, goodness, and harmony. This book will bring theology into your life in a very practical way, as Nietzsche helps you to reflect on how each of the 15 words might look like in everyday life. If you're interested in what the New Testament has to say about God, God's people, or God's world, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book 15 New Testament Words of Life, a New Testament theology for real life by Dr. Nijay Gupta, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.